Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coach's Corner. So excited to have you here and so excited to have my guest here today, who's a second-time guest. I'll tell you about her in a moment. And as you know, I'm headed off on maternity leave, I don't know, sometime within the next two weeks or three weeks or so. First-time babies tend to go a little later. I'm 38 weeks right now, so we shall see when she decides to make her entry into the world. I have a feeling it's going to be around the full moon. She was conceived around the full moon, so it'd be exactly 10 moons. But who knows? It's up to her, not me. So we are just preparing for her arrival and are very, very excited to meet this this little one. And you may have heard that while I'm on maternity leave, you're still going to get fresh coaching episodes. I pre-recorded a whole bunch of them. So all the coaching episodes that air on Wednesdays will be fresh. So keep tuning in, keep sharing the show. And then on Coach's Corner, I'll be releasing some episodes on my pregnancy journey, getting pregnant naturally in my 40s, and I'll definitely put one out with our birth story. So those will be there for if you're interested. And then we'll air some episodes of me on other people's podcasts. And then we're going to go into the archives because I've done 300 and something coaching episodes and 300 and something coaches corners as well. So there's probably some you haven't heard. So we're going to go into the archives and air some of those for you too. So the show shall go on. As I said, please keep listening, downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. That will help keep it going while I'm on maternity leave. I have not taken three months off ever since I started working when I was 16. (laughs) So it's going to be an interesting, I don't know if it's really three months off. I, I have a job of a different kind, right? All the moms are going, oh, you think you're getting a vacation? No, no, no. <laughs> but I am looking forward to the time that I will have with my little girl and my husband and just really going to savor it and and soak it in. So appreciate in advance your support by continuing to listen, download, and share the show. All right. So my guest today is honestly one of my best friends. I like having a lot of my friends on this show because, well, I have some pretty epic, awesome friends. And I wanted to have Beck Tate back because she was such a popular guest last year. She came on the show at the beginning of 2021 and really talked about what we had been through in 2020 and what we could expect for 2021. And so many of you found her words and her message so reassuring, so insightful, and so helpful. So I wanted to bring her back. I'll tell you a little bit more about Beck. She is an experienced professional who provides intuitive guidance to people who feel stuck or uncertain in various aspects of their personal and professional life. She explores deep into what's causing any of her clients' concern and provides guidance, which is for your highest good, for specific direction that assists you in gaining the most momentum in the areas where you feel stuck or uncertain. Speaking as her friend, I can say she is incredibly gifted, incredibly intuitive, and has such an an amazing blend of being intuitive, being connected to those spiritual realms, getting that intuitive guidance, but also having two feet firmly planted in the ground and really is able to give grounded direction and advice. And you'll hear from our conversation and just the way she talks and the way she listens and the way the information comes through. It's coming through from a very high frequency and from a, from a deep place of love. So I hope you feel not only comforted by her words, but also by the energy in which her words ride on. And to learn more about Beck, or if you're looking for someone to work with, you can go to justaskbeck.com. And Beck is spelled B-E-C. No K. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor, Organifi. You can get 20% off all your Organifi products on any of your orders, not just your first, when you go to Organifi.com slash over it. Some of my favorites are their gold, which is a turmeric kind of latte blend. You can mix it with almond milk, coconut milk, or regular milk if that's your jam. Heat it up. It's so delicious. I love their immunity packets. I love their green juice, their red juice. I just love the company because I know I can really trust their ingredients. So get your 20% off at Organifi.com slash over it. Use the promo code over it. And now on to my conversation with my dear friend, Rebecca Tate. Beck. My bestie on the other side of the world. It's so good to have you back on the show. Thank you. It is so good to be back. Mm. And your episode last year was one of the favorites. We talked at the beginning of 2021 and you gave some incredible insight 
on, you know, where we've been and where we're headed. And I still have people talk about that episode and and how reassuring it was. And that's one of your gifts. You have one of your many gifts. You have this amazing ability to be both reassuring and inspiring at the same time, which is beautiful. And I think a lot of us are, are wanting that right now. And I I feel a lot of people are just tired. You know, it just seems like so much is being thrown at us, um, either from the external world or internal stuff is coming up. And, and that's not everybody. I know a lot of people who are like, I'm having a great year and I'm doing great. And then they feel guilty about it because so many other people are, are, are really not. But I think we all can relate whether or not the time is now or we've been there in the past or we might be there in the future to this and this is something I hear from guests all the time on the show is I've done all this work, but things still aren't changing. I still feel stuck. Where's the quote unquote reward for all the work that I've done? Because I think even personal development becomes results orientated. It's like, well, if I go to the gym and I'm on this diet, whatever it is, I don't like the word diet, but I, I should lose the weight. Same with, oh, I've done all these courses. I've done all this healing. I've done this inner child work. I've been to therapy. Like, why why do I still feel stuck? So that's where I wanted to start with you before we go into some of the things you're sensing for this year and encapsulating where we've been and where we're going is why do we often feel so stuck even though we're doing the work? Yep. And this is something that a lot of people are experiencing and that I also see with the clients that I work with as well, that people are often drawn to to do what they, they are. And, and we do feel stuck when and it's when we are feeling stuck, it's when we know the answer to the question. However, we're feeling or experiencing great fear in actioning that answer. But going back to that that question of why why are people feeling stuck, even though they're they've been healing, they've been doing the personal growth work or they've been going to the gym or they've been eating healthy or or they've been, as you said, like doing the work. I am seeing, I guess, my top five if I was to to articulate it in that way. And the number one, if I was to break it down, is that you are trusting your fears more than you're trusting your strengths. Mm. And, you know, what, what are those fears that I'm seeing? And, um, you know, that ranges. It's a very individual uh, and very personal experience. You know, fears are different for, for everyone. It's not just a fear of spiders. Um, it can be, uh, you know, a fear of growing old for some people. It can be, a, you know, depending on what people's personal trauma is. It's a very, very individual experience. But often we are so focused on healing our fears that we shift our focus from what our strengths are. So then mm. we lean all of our trust into our fears rather than trusting our strengths. Mm. So we're often exercising the wrong muscle. Mm. Mm. Um, the other, I guess, stuckness um, is when you know, we're working with highly sensitive people, empaths, is that, you know, taking or absorbing others' fears and insecurities and um, sort of not upskilling ourselves in the way to either not absorb that or, you know, every day it's, you know, every day we take a shower because we, <laughs> we have every day kind of dirt and grime. Um, so it's very, very natural that it's, that you would be walking about and just absorbing, you know, just life. Right. But sometimes when we take too much on board, we, that, that can kind of prevent us from, from moving forward there. Well, let's, before you go to the, the, the next three, I want to mm. unpack a few of these. So mm. the trusting our fear is more than we're trusting our strength. I think sometimes this is so unconscious. Like we don't even know we're doing it because Absolutely. our fears feel like the truth. And we don't even know that we're in it. And there can be some indicators, like we have more anxiety 
or our chest is tight or we're just not as creative. I mean, those are all indicators. There's many more. But how do we really, mm. how do we wake up from the the sort of programming of our fears? Because I know for me, sometimes my inner voice, which is coming from fear, mm. like it just sounds like me. Yep. And it's taken me years to go, oh, wait, that's actually fear. It's, it is a tough one. And it's something that, it, it's something that it, it is difficult. And I find when I am doing a lot of um, emotion coaching as well, it's one of the key things that is it's not modeled to us as as children it's not and and I guess this is something that I mean you do a lot of work with within a child and you know it's something that I also um, practice what I can preach when I am you know working with others is when there's something that jars us when there's something that you know scares us there's we're not sort of taught to go oh that was scary or, mm. oh, that didn't land well, to actually voice that or, or express that, oh. So to give an example, it is perfectly normal when you're having a conversation, say, with a, a friend. We'll use a friend rather than a romantic relationship, but just say with a friend. A friend says something and it kind of jars you or it may spark a fear in you where our initial reaction may be with, to withdraw, shut down, go into our story, into our head, where we start like trusting that fear and we start going through the narrative there. Mm. Where if I was to give you an example of a healthy modelling, where a healthy modelling would be something like if the friend was to, to say something to you, where you go, oh, that just landed quite harshly. Or, you know, I've, I've noticed a shift in energy there or I've noticed, you know, something. I'm just going to get up and 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 just go and wash my hands or I'm just going to go and order a cup of tea or I'm going to do something and just take a breath. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly normal. And then you would move it on and be great. You wouldn't then have to go and release that. It's kind of a normal way of moving through that. Yeah. It's like if I spilled something on myself, I wouldn't just leave it. <laughs> I'd, yeah, go, I'd go wash exactly. it off. Exactly. And it's it's really interesting, but that's that hasn't you know, the world is starting to shift there, which is which is great with different parenting styles. But this is where I'm sort of giving a bit of background where these these fears have kind yeah. of developed yeah. over now that we're in kind of in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, 70s. So that question of why does that voice sound so real? It's because it started so young and now it's so ingrained and so I guess familiar Mm. it's difficult to discern when you we're we're trying to learn well what's the difference Mm. and that's why when people ask like other questions how do I tell the difference between my fear my ego and my intuition it does take it's like a you know like your headphones when they get tangled up really badly it takes a little while to untangle Mm. um and especially when it's, you know, it's been going on for a while, it's, it's sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Very, it, very sticky. And I think sometimes we're afraid to let go of our fears because our fears keep us safe. Like if I'm so consistently worried, I think of this, we can apply a lot of this to COVID. You know, if mm. I'm, if I'm scared of it, then it keeps me hypervigilant. And then some part of me thinks that's how I protect myself from getting it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I see, I saw a lot of people and I'm just using that as an example. Cause I think it's one globally we can all mm-hmm. either relate yeah, to. I mean, that was definitely something I did at first and grew out of that fear, especially after having it. Um, but I know that part of me that will hang on to a fear because I really think it's protecting me. And those mm-hmm. are the hard ones to let go of because it, it feels so critical that we hold it. Yep. There's also fear has a place as well. So every emotion has purpose and, you know, guilt has purpose because it brings us to remorse, it brings us to a learning and, you know, it, it, it's all about that continuous improvement. Mm. And so fear has purpose. If we're standing on the edge of a cliff and we didn't have fear, 
jump off and that would be end of life. Right. So, so every You'd be like, oh, this looks fun. Yeah, I can fly. Great. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, it, it, every, it does have purpose and it's understanding that purpose. And that's when we reach that whole, well, where is the purpose of this? And that's a part of the untangling and the unwinding and the unraveling. Yeah. And that's a part of the strength is I going, okay, well, here's the fear. What is the purpose of this fear? How is it keeping me safe? And how is this serving me? Yeah. And that's when you really discern whether it is a real fear because all fear is real and it's very real at the time and that is why there's a visceral response. Mm. And it's not to be dismissed and that is when anyone comes to me and says, I'm experiencing this, you know, people are telling me I'm being silly, I always hold space for that because Mm. there is such a truth in that for that person. Yep. Yeah. And it's such a gem. It is a golden nugget because it reveals so much about that person's strength and there is so much wisdom in that. Mm, mm, yeah, I, I love that. And that's when we try to push fear away and don't get the the lesson from it or the, the information or the alarm or whatever. It's like holding a beach ball underwater. It's really difficult to do and it will just come up another way or manifest as anxiety or get bigger or or anything like that. And I feel like fear gets a bad rap. We, I just had a guest on, I think it was last week or the week before, and we talked about toxic positivity. Oh, my favorite subject. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the danger um, of that and, and, you know, the danger of, you know, that infiltrating the personal development world because I think it's like you know, fear is, gets this bad rap, be fearless. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I'm never going to be totally fearless. If I'm, I mean, that's, it's, it's part of like how I'm wired as a human, but mm-hmm. I can greet my fear differently. I was talking with a client earlier today and she has some fear around some work things coming up. And, and we looked at, well, your habitual reaction to fear is to be reactive, you know, go into hypervigilant, be reactive, kind of get panicky and go right into your logical brain and I said, what if we could work with the fear and say, hey, fear, I see, you know, you're alerting me to something and I'm going to actually work with you creatively. I'm going to make mm-hmm. some space. I'm going to really feel into this. I'm going to engage not just the logical side of my, my brain. And she was like, oh my gosh, like that's going to work so much better. <laughs> and we both got to, you know, so many of the best solutions to big problems or even mm-hmm. scary problems have come from innovation, which comes from the creative part of a brain, which can't be accessed when we're in reactivity. So what I'm hearing you say is it's not about letting go of the fear. It's about, or, or diminishing it or dismissing it. It's about realizing it's there and knowing that one of our strengths is to be able to greet it and listen to it and react to it in a way that doesn't spiral us into more fear and panic. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. And that toxic positivity versus genuine optimism, you know, is, is, is a really passionate subject of mine. And I am all about, you know, vibration and frequency. And on the topic of, you know, fear, uh, and you have personally heard me say this, is that I'm all about bringing fear out into the open. Yeah. And often in you know, personal development or personal growth space. It can be like good vibes only. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you've just got to, you know, you have to be positive. Sometimes it's very hard to be positive in difficult situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's okay yep. to feel negative. You are not going to manifest the world falling in if you have a negative thought. And You have heard me say this. If our thoughts created our reality, now there is, I know a lot of belief systems in this, then I would think I'm going to win the lotto tomorrow and I would lose the lotto tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. It requires so much more intent action. Like there's so much more involved. Now you can, I, I always 
liken this to scones. Okay, now scones are very different in the US than they are here in Australia. She's seen so, scones, everyone, just so yes. you know. <laughs> I think they're biscuits <laughs> over there. But no, we call them scones. All, it's all about technique. Mm-hmm. So the recipe is very simple ingredients. It is milk, flour, and butter. They're only three ingredients and they will make the most delicious and, and an oven set at a certain temperature. And they make the most delicious things that you can have with jam and cream. In England, it's Devonshire tea. However, the technique to make these is critical because mm. otherwise they'll turn out as hard as rocks, they'll flop. And I remember mastering those when I was pregnant with, with my first child. And I you know, went to the Australian Women's Country Women's Association to learn how to make them because the <laughs> technique is, is, is critical. But they are three simple ingredients, hmm. and so it's like when you say, you know, having a you know having a negative thought is going to do this, or having a positive thought. It's it's okay when things are difficult, and you know, when you hit, you know, this whole like never give up. Well, actually, when things get really tough and you hit a wall, walls come up for you to rest, hmm. to break through walls come up for you to just take a rest Mm. and the moment that I allowed myself to do that oh life got so much easier yep yep it's it's so true and I want to just highlight that because I think a lot of people think my thoughts create my reality and I can't have a bad thought and I can't speak mm-hmm. to this and da, 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 da. And you reminded me of this so many times and it's, it's like they're there. So you either think them and speak them and let them out or you're just repressing them because yeah. what I've learned is first of all, there, there's so much we don't know. Like anyone that, that preaches, they know exactly how we create everything in our reality. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> mm, I don't know. You're still in a human body to me. And I know there are amazing spiritual teachers and very, very gifted people out there. But I think as long as we're human, there's still some mystery. We, we can't know how everything works, you know, then what's the point of being human? But what, from what I have learned from people like you and people that I really trust and just my own experience is that it's so much about emotionally, energetically where we're at. And also like what's on our soul curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, if there's certain things we need to go through, we're going to go through them. And this giving ourselves permission to speak out the thoughts, not in an indulgent victim way, but just to air yeah. them out is so, so important. So I'm so, I'm glad that you said that because anybody who's holding in fear or doesn't want to say it, you know, Steph and I call them Bart's. Um, (laughs) because we have, we have a rule in our house. It's mostly for him, not for me, that if you need to fart, you fart, like you let it out. And so we call our, we call them brain farts, farts. I have way more Barts. He has way more farts, but, but, um, and, and I'll just, I'll just context it. I'm like, I have a Bart and we both know it's going to be a fear-based thought or worst case scenario. And I just need to get it out. And then after the bard is out, it's like, oh, I feel relief. So giving ourselves that permission and even contexting it as, you know, that I just need to speak this out is, is super, super helpful. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to bring in point number two about taking on other people's energy. Mm. We'll talk about the empath HSP in a moment, but I do want to talk about how there's been a lot of fear kind of programming the past two years, especially. Mm. There's been a lot that has just been thrown at us. And, you know, maybe some of it's true. A lot of it's not like, who, who knows? Like, it's hard to discern, but the energy that so much of it rode on was fear. Cause there's two ways I can deliver a message to someone, you know, yeah. I can be like, you have a terrible disease and you're going to die. Or I can be like, okay, so we found some cells or some some things in your blood work that are a little out of the normal range, but we're going to explore it. We're going to talk about it. You know, I can deliver something with the energy of fear. I can deliver it with love. And so much has been delivered with the energy of fear. So my question in all of this is how do we really discern like what is true for us, you know, what we believe from ways we've been programmed and don't even know it. Mm. This is a big one. And I, 
and being reminded of when I was last speaking to you on uh, on the podcast and what came through was it was all about finding your truth, mm. not the truth, not a global, it's, it's your truth. And what is even more relevant now is your authenticity and coming back to that central point. And this is where it's really understanding like what feels true for you. And this is why it's really important to understand your triggers, your, I guess, your meta emotions for those that understand what those are. But if it was to, to give more um, uh, layman's language is like what is it that activates you and understanding that going back to point one is what are your strengths and what are your fears and how do you discern what's what's truth in that and and and, and what's mistruth and it is difficult to sift through that and I guess I'm only speaking on personal experience here because that's I'm not an expert in political sciences I'm not a medical expert I'm I'm, I am at the end of the day um I am you know my my human self is very much you know I'm a I'm a mum with you know school-aged children and um you know living my life um here in Australia but when news is broadcasted um when you know, information is is delivered. I asked myself, I was like, well, how does that impact me? And how does that impact, you know, my life? And what I have found is a lot of the time I've watched how it's the reaction around, you know, people around me. It's it's kind of really activated them. For me, I've still had to like get up, make breakfast, do school lunches, do the washing, do the school runs, do the things. It hasn't really impacted me. There are times when it has, and that's when it's required me to action certain things. It's required me to like, you know, go, hang on, is this in, you know, my best interest? It's it's, it's that's required me to to question to to do things. But when I am filtering truth versus mistruth, I guess that's my own personal um, measurement tool. Mm. Mm. And that's for me is very grounding. Is I kind of use like what I call the magic in the mundane. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I love what you said about it's my truth, not the truth. And I think yeah. that – It'd be, it's always nice to do kind of a mental cleanse and look at everything you're believing. And, you know, from the work of Byron Katie really ask, is is this true? Do I 100% know it's true? Especially Mm. a lot of the maybe things that you, that you believe that are causing you fear, Mm. you know? And I had to do that so many times in pregnancy, as you know, because so many people have thrown statistics at me because I'm in my 40s and I'm having oh a geriatric pregnancy yeah. and oh my God. And, you know, I'm treated like I have some disease at, at some point, which is why I really kind of avoided the medical system as much as possible because they are trained to look for what's wrong. Mm-hmm. They are, they're wired to look for the negative. And when stats were thrown at me or whatever, and I'd find myself believing them. Well, one, I'd feel it in my body. I didn't feel good, right? I'd feel the fear. I'd feel the anxiety. I'd kind of be taken off my center. But I really had to ask, is this true for me? Like, is this a belief that that I align with and that really serves me? Just because an authority figure is saying this, is it my truth? And a lot of times, no. And I think a lot of us have our own relationships with experts and authority figures, and we're taught from a young age to kind of give away our power. And we have to just be mindful of who we're allowing to program us, like what we're allowing in. And we don't have to, you know, agree with everybody else about what the truth is, but we can find our truth. And then we're not carrying around a lot of other people's fear. Because if I 
bought into a lot of the things that have been told for me, I'm just using the example of pregnancy, mm-hmm. I'd be carrying around a load of fears that I didn't even I really know. believe until they were yeah, told to would, me. You'd need a trailer for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Seriously. You'd need a you need a really, really big or what's it called? A Winnebago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Semi. So how do we back because I know, you know, one of your gifts is you're you're deeply intuitive. Is there anything kind of energetically we can do both if we know we've kind of let sort of a programming in and we want to release it? Or we've just picked up energy from other people that we want to release. This will be different for for different people and their belief systems. So if you are more sort of spiritually aligned, then you may be called to work with a healer that works in a clearing space. Where if you're more pragmatic, then going to the gym and exercising and working out will be very efficient for you. It really depends on the type of wiring that you have is the best way that I can can answer that question. However, what I have found 100% effective across all types of personalities, belief systems, is release writing. This is a technique that works for no matter what type of belief you have, and that is if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling, you know, too extended, burnt out, you know, just stretched to the point of, or you're just feeling off, then getting a piece of paper and a pen and then just getting a timer, your phone, whatever it is, and just setting it for I don't know why this is just the magic number, but it seems to be it, 12 minutes and just writing. And what happens is in the first few minutes you think, oh, I'm done, I've got nothing more in me, and you go blank. And that's why it seems to be the magic number is 12 because it pushes you through and then you just keep going and it's sort of like a, a purge. You just get it all out. Now, this is the key point then. Do not read it back. You've taken, it's like taking the trash out, (laughs) the rubbish or the garbage, depending on what part of the world you're in. You take it out. You don't go back and sift back through it and bring it all back in, do you? You take it out, you put it in the bin and you close it and you walk away. This is the same with release writing. You get it out, you crumple it up, and then you throw it in the bin. Put it in the compost, tear it up, flush it down the loo, whatever you feel called to do. But then that's it. That's it. It's done. And it's a really effective way of releasing anything you've taken on board. Very simple, yet very effective. Yeah, release writing is one of my favorite things to teach. It's been my like technique for God. Yeah. It's 20 very different years. to journaling, isn't it? It's <laughs> very, very different, different to journaling. Very it's different. Journaling or other people can do channeling. It's but it is and and you only have to do it once. It doesn't need and it, it it's, it's just, it costs nothing. You don't need any special tools. You don't, don't yeah. need a belief. It, it is fair. And you can do it if you've got a broken leg, you can, you know, you can do it. And if, um, you know, if you can do it typing or, and if you've got difficulty writing, then, you know, you would speak it into a voice note and then delete the voice note. But yep. there is something about the process of writing, though. I yeah. do think it does need to be writing. Yeah, it connects to that part of your brain where a lot of that mm. stuff is stored. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, and sometimes you I don't even that. know what you've written. It just yeah. comes on out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I do also recommend, though, after you've done it, and I don't know if you this resonates with you as well, but taking a shower. Yep. <laughs> I was just going to say that a shower yeah. or a bath. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think that's really good. I also think in, and people have heard me share this before, like when we're feeling something that there's a fear or thought that comes in, really ask, is this mine? And you mm. don't have to be psychic to nope. feel into that answer and you'll, you'll get an answer. You'll be like, mm, no, like I was feeling something earlier today, like this wave of anxiety. And I said, is this mine? Nope okay, let me go. And I imagine just breathing it out through my feet, sending it back to the core of the earth, knowing that, that the earth can, can transmute it 
But I think a lot of us get caught, especially if you're an empath or an HSP, we get caught up in the collective. And so I'll ask, is this mine? I'll ask to disconnect from the collective. And, you know, showers are good. Water is so good. Water is such a great cleanser. It is. Even just having a drink of water. Yeah. Does amazing things. Yeah. (laughs) It does. Yeah. So, and look, there's, I could spend an entire podcast talking about this one point, this one point I could do like an entire podcast on it because there's so many different techniques, but the most effective way is, is, um, is definitely release writing yeah. as you said. Keeping it an exit route. Well, maybe we'll do that in the future. And I know you have some courses coming out in the near future too, that are going to teach people how to deal with that too. So in the interest of this podcast, cause I, we have three more points to get through. <laughs> So yeah. the next one, so we've gone, you're trusting your, this, okay. So yeah. to review everybody, we're talking about why you feel stuck, even though you've been doing the work, you've been doing the healing, um, or just why you feel stuck in general, or you or why you're resistant to the healing. You're trusting your fears more than you're trusting your strengths. You've taken on board others' fears and insecurity. And the third is not trusting your own ability to heal. Mm. And going back to your point of, we often place our trust in authority figures Mm-hmm. So we're placing our trust in, say, either a doctor, a parent, a healer, a guru, um, government, something else, mm-hmm. yeah, government. Mm-hmm. Um, we're placing the trust outside of ourselves where if we take it, say, to a physical element, for instance, our own bodies are phenomenal. They're such, such like the intelligence system um, is just phenomenal. And even, you know, when it comes to trauma or, or anything like that, like our own body, you know, our own ability, excuse me, um, to heal is mind-blowing. And um, as, as those that um, are part of my community know, each month I, I, I do a message out. And this month's message um, is, you know, broken can be mended devalued can be valued with health can be liberated mm. and there's a lot more um that went with that as well but that was like the first the, the first um part of the message that came through and you know the the body is an amazing system of intelligence and that is our emotional body that is our intellectual body that is our physical our spiritual body the, the whole system and you know it's 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 ours, it's our body, yet somewhere along the line that trust, that faith, that belief was bruised or broken um, and that's often the part where we're stuck and once that, that, that bridge is, is, is kind of healed or mended, mm. then that forward motion is, is quite, quite fast. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think, because as you say, everything has a purpose. What do you think the purpose of doubting our own ability to heal is or capability? I think that's also other people's projections often Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Other people's self-doubt can be imposed on, and that's that, that taking on board others' fears and insecurities. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, And I also think it, it is also a sign of intelligence particularly imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is, is a bit of an um, occupational hazard, as I say, of, <laughs> of intelligence. Those that um, I witnessed that, you know, particularly empaths and HSPs that have, you know, high levels of intelligence are the ones that suffer from imposter syndrome the most. Yeah. And it is because they deeply, deeply care um, and are very, very mindful and conscious about what they do and the impact of what they do. So therefore they have imposter syndrome. And so that's where that self-doubt comes in. It has, has that purpose, of course, because they are mindful and they're conscientious. It's not like they walk around and, and you know, are being irresponsible. Um, so it's this, this is where a lot of that, that comes in. And then it kind of filters down in other areas. And, and as you said, like you use the beach ball analogy before it will, it will kind of pop up in other areas and 
that will often pop up in in in, uh, in in areas and and I guess I tend to lean towards the areas of health because health is always the barometer where it's the the squeakiest wheel it's the wheel where when the body wants notice yeah when you need to stop when you need to pause when it needs a rest that's where it will go well, I've been given all these other signals and you're not listening, so I'm going to do this. Yep. <laughs> so that's, um, that's when the body will go, hang on. Yep. Um, that's what the body will do. And I think sometimes we have to go through that distrust path with our ability to heal, to know the contrast of what it is like to trust. Mm. You know, we have to kind of have that, that reckoning with our, with our own ability and, and taking our power back because I think all of us, you know, from trauma, from childhood, from parenting, from whatever, we, we get disempowered. And as humans, we learn through contrast. So we often have to. And, and I think the other thing that I see with a lot of people is there's a big payoff in staying in a victim archetype. Um, there's little responsibility we have to take. There's often pity that we get from others and there's a, a way to advocate responsibility and just be like, well, I can't because X, Y, Z happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've definitely been in the victim archetype at certain times in my life. And that 100% <laughs> has made me unable to trust my ability to heal but I was also kind of getting a payoff, not very consciously, it was all unconscious, but I was also getting a bit of a payoff for being in the victim because there was no risk. Because if I like tried to heal and I wasn't successful, then I failed. But if I just believe I can't because of X, Y, Z, then I never fail. So mm. it's like a weird way to avoid failure and keep us in a pattern of not having to take responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that was number three. You don't trust your ability to heal. Four, you're focusing on your circumstances instead of focusing on you. Mm. And this is a big one. And it's, it's a real good thing where you're talking about like the, the, the victim kind of the payoff is you're looking at the external rather than you. So you're looking at all the things that you can't control rather than the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. And again, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I was like, um, this is what I often unpack with clients and we're, you know, really kind of unpacking this type of stuff is that this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And it's like the one thing that I find echoes a lot throughout a session is you are allowed to be struggling. It is struggling is not equal to being a failure. If you look at children when they're learning to read, they're struggling. You're learning to walk. It's a struggle. That is not failure at all. That is the fast track to succession. Mm. Yet somewhere along the lines, a story was absorbed by the collective that struggle equals failure. And that was one of the biggest, we talk about like, what's your truth? There's, there's, that is, I guess, one of the greatest mistruths that struggle does not equal failure and it doesn't symbolize failure. Yeah. I I love that. I love that. And I think that kind of goes back to that toxic positivity conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It should just yeah. be easy. And if it's not, yeah, you're failing. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, life, life, is, life is hard because life has texture. Yeah. Because it's supposed to like if, and I often say this where, you know, we talk about the range of emotions. If you are always happy, that equals manic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you are always sad, that equals depression. So you want that range. You want that rainbow. Yeah. You want to feel all the emotions. Um, I was working with a client the other day and we, we were doing goal setting. And they um, expressed to me that you know, one of their goals was to be happy. 
and I questioned them and I said, is one of your goals also to be angry? Is one of your goals to be sad? They they went, no. And I said, so why is one of your goals to be an emotion? Mm -hmm. And they laughed and they went, oh. I said, is one of the goals to have more moments in your life to experience happiness? Well, what, what are things that make you happy? So let's look at those sorts of things. And, and that was what we were able to do in regards to goal setting then. But it was so interesting because the amount of times when I'm doing, um, you know, goal setting, life planning, um, action plan, you know, smart goals and all of those things, and people say, oh, you know, one of my goals is to be happy. But it is such, it's such a common expression from people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting when you challenge them back that, okay, you want one of your goals to be an emotion. <laughs> And it does. It is. It's hilarious when you think of it. But yet, so many courses are sold on this. So many, um, yeah, uh, you know, products are sold with with this carrot dangling. So, yep, that yeah. whole like, just take the happy pill. Be happy yeah. all the time. Never feel sad. Yeah, it is manic. It is. It is, manic. It is, it is manic. It is, it is manic. manic. So, you, so going back to you're focusing on your circumstances rather than focusing on you. So if you put you in the middle and you really ask yourself what you need. And I had an experience the other day with a couple that I was working with and one of them was saying, but I'm, I'm saying what I need. And then we had to discern what actually they were expressing what they wanted. Mm. And there was a very big difference again between needs and wants. Yep. And that was a whole nother range of things. And it's really, I say, it's okay to also say, this is what I want. Mm. But, you know, there's some mornings I wake up and I want ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> but does my body need ice cream for breakfast? No. <laughs> so mm. asking what you need and what you want are two different things as well. Yeah. So yeah. that's another. Discernment is such like the big key word when we when we're looking at anything that comes to deal to do with intuition and yep. intuitive skills. Mm. All right, and the last one, no, the, yeah. yeah, the big one is you revert to what is familiar for your comfort, and rather than widening comfort zone. Now, the the comfort zone is a this is a really passionate subject of mine because <laughs> there's all this rah-rah of you don't get anywhere in your comfort zone you've got to jump out of your comfort zone and every time I'm working with guidance on this it is all about widening your comfort zone and the analogy I often provide on this is take yourself to Antarctica you're in your you're in your hut you're in your secure warm space outside is you know freezing cold if you walked outside if you went outside of your comfort zone you would have hypothermia and most likely die yeah going outside of your comfort zone would be detrimental yet staying inside you would never explore you would never go anywhere you would never do anything so yes you do actually have to go outside of your comfort zone but yet going outside is detrimental so where, where's the medium Where's, where's the happy medium there? It's about widening that comfort zone. So extending the safe space, putting on thermal clothes, packing rations, doing all of those things so you can safely explore is beneficial. So that's, not, that's about, okay, so you feel stuck where you are, but going outside of your comfort zone, yeah, that's detrimental. So finding ways to widen your comfort zone, that's when it's healthy. Mm-hmm. This is where fear has purpose, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're in, a, you're in a job that is covering the mortgage, paying all the bills, but yet it, it isn't resonating with you anymore. Yet quitting that job and doing a startup would put you under so much financial strain that would be detrimental. Okay, so that's jumping out of your comfort zone. Yet to widen that, 
would be, okay, I'm going to start getting up an hour earlier every morning and working on a business plan or I'm going to um, start doing a course in the evenings or I'm going to um, do some weekend work and start building some extra money aside so I can leave this job. Like that's widening your comfort zone. Doing different things and then you're ready to do the launch. So there's different ways of, you know, moving outside of the comfort zone. Right, without taking such a big risk that we scare ourselves silly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Because, again, we feel stuck when we know the answer to the question, but there's fear and action in that answer. So we come back to number one, you know, yes, there's what – you know, where's that fear coming? What's the purpose of that fear? What's the truth around that fear? How is that fear protecting us? Mm. 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 Dissecting that fear and then going, okay, how do we mitigate the risk that that fear? Where's the protection? Okay, I totally get that. Right, actually, that's a real fear. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to lose my house. Don't want to do that. Okay, right, let's mitigate all those risks. Right now, I'm not stuck anymore. Yep. Yeah, and then that kind of goes back to the creativity versus the reactivity in in working with fear. Oh, I love that. I love that. So anything else before we transition? Because I do want to ask you a couple other questions before we wrap yes. up. Yes, there's, I guess, the other thing that's really coming up from a collective point of view. As you know, um, this year is all about peace and prosperity. And something that I'm seeing that neuroscience, Buddhism, Taoism, Stoicism, all have in common is that pleasure doesn't equal happiness. It's peace over pleasure and that peace is found in the process. And you hear me say this all the time. It's magic in the mundane. And when you look at it from a neuroscience point of view, pleasure and dopamine is the dopamine addiction. It's just leading to that next hit. It's you know, the, it's just constantly chasing that, that dopamine hit all the time. So if I was to leave the audience with anything, it's about finding your magic in the mundane. Mm. Mm. So in washing the dishes, <laughs> I find my magic in that. Yeah, there's, it, there's a sort of peace in that process. It's a bit hard right. to find um, peace in that process when, you know, you I guess the, the phone's ringing and the kids are going, mum, 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 or clients doing this, or the TV's really loud, yeah. So it, it's maybe, maybe, maybe finding some advice there. But, yeah, that's, um, that's, the, that's I guess, the um, last year was all about, you know, finding, finding your truth. Mm-hmm. This year is, is, the, is finding the magic in the mundane. Mm. Uh, so last question for you before I ask you how people can – contact you and all that stuff is about uncertainty. So I think we've always had uncertainty in our life, but the last two years especially have amplified a lot of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to come next. So I'd love for you to remind us of like that we've gotten through it, <laughs> that we've we've adapted and, and what we've learned from that uncertainty and also how we move forward. Cause you know, there's going to be more uncertainty. That's just, that's just life. And we're all more aware of it. So as we move forward into 2022 and beyond, how can we navigate uncertainty with maybe a little more peace, a little more grace, a little less fear? Of course. Well, we've certainly experienced that our entire lives can certainly change in a year or less than a year and definitely over the course of the last two years. And having compassion for ourselves having patient with ourselves and others and knowing that we deserve more and having the courage and the vulnerability to also demand more and also being disciplined enough to put the intention to work for more as well. And what I mean by work for more is working for more of what we need and also what we want and that comes back to what we were talking about before in regards to really identifying the difference between what we want and what we need because we are allowed to have both 
So when we're having those moments of uncertainty is when they come up for us, is allowing ourselves to feel that uncertainty and then drawing back on the experiences that when we felt that way before and then reminding ourselves we've been through this. This isn't new and that we have all the skills and those skills are the love and compassion for ourselves, knowing that we deserve more and that we have proven, we've got proven results now that with courage and discipline, we have everything in our toolbox to carry us through. Mm. And that kind of goes back to, I can't remember what point it was, but believing in our ability to heal, heal, change, transform, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm always reminded that, you know, life doesn't always deliver our dreams in the exact timeline or form that we expected. And I, I take great comfort in knowing that, you know, if I do use that courage and discipline and I do keep putting one foot in front of the other, that I may not get exactly what I want because, you know, that's created from my mind and my ego, my personality, and oftentimes my wounding, but I will get what I need. And to have that kind of faith that really helps me navigate the uncertainty is like, okay, well, I may not have control over this. And like another one of your points, we, we can't control the circumstances, but we control, we can control how we respond to them. You know, I, I can always choose my reaction. And that's one of been one of my biggest lessons to all the uncertainty is, all right, well, <laughs> I, I can't control this, but I do have dominion over my inner response. And to me, that's where the courage and discipline really comes in. Cause it's easy to go down blame or freak out or whatever it may be. And I think in the past two years, we've seen a lot of reactivity. People are angry. People are reactive. People have just been pushed to their edge. Mm. And maybe in this coming year with more peace and prosperity, we we're, we're pausing and we're like, how can I respond versus react? Mm. How can I take responsibility for my inner state versus just react? And to me, that's been one of the helpful ways that I've been able to navigate uncertainty because, you know, everybody likes the uncertainty of a surprise party, but nobody likes the uncertainty of <laughs> losing your job or a loved one out, you know, surprisingly, or not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from. Um, but we can, we can choose how we hold that inside. So you can, and yeah. when you can't respond, you are allowed to just pause. Mm. Until you can find the discipline or the energy or the resources to respond. Because when you are transitioning from a reactive state and reactive habit, it it takes a while. So you can give yourself some grace there as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that, that can be the response is pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Oh, well. This has been so comforting, so reassuring. <laughs> All the things that you, that just radiate out of you. Will you tell this lovely community how they can work with you, where they can find you? Uh, best place to find me is um, through my website, justuspec.com. Uh, that is the easiest and um, most effective way to find me. Mm-hmm. And would you be willing to explain that what the name of your website? Because I think that's such a great story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it just came about because people just had questions mm-hmm. and it was like, just ask Beck, <laughs> just ask Beck. And I found clients were referring people and go, oh, you need to just ask Beck. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's how it came about. And if people do actually find themselves really listening to this and feel called to you know have a question or they they do want to email me directly it is beck at justuspec.com that's very generous thank you so much and I know from Beck being one of my dearest friends and actually having a lot of people in our life in our world work with her that she is an incredible incredible I, I don't know the word coach just seems so I would say guide 
intuitive counselor. I, those are my words, not hers. I, I don't, because she's so, she's such a unicorn in so many ways. I don't even know what words describe exactly what you do, but you can feel a resonance with Beck. You can feel it in your heart. And if you really are looking for a safe place to be heard, be seen, to work through some of the things that have come up for you to, to lean more into your strengths and less into your, your fear, that could be an incredible resource. So just as Beck.com and anything else, Beck, that is coming through that you feel compelled to share before we wrap up. The big thing that is coming through, as I mentioned before, is really calling people forward to, to find the magic in the mundane. Mm. Mm. We'll leave it there. Thanks for, thanks for being magical in my life. I'm very humbled. <laughs>